I'm Tanner Olson, and this is the Walk a Little Slower podcast. Here we talk about hope and heaviness, creating and continuing joy and sorrow, life and God, questions and answers, and everything in between. This is a podcast where you were invited to slow down, to lean in, to hold fast, and to eventually, to eventually keep going. Welcome. Welcome back to another episode of the Walk a Little Slower podcast. I'm just happy to be here, and I'm just happy that you're here today as well. On today's episode, I'm joined by Kobe Campbell. She's an award-winning licensed trauma therapist. She's a Christian counselor, a writer, and a speaker. She does it all. She is the author of the new book, Why Am I Like This? How to Break Cycles, Heal from Trauma, and Restore Your Faith. And I gotta tell you, I loved talking with her. We could have chatted all day long. After hearing our conversation, I know that you're going to be interested in getting her book, and you should. Check out the links in the show notes before you go. All right, let's just jump right into it. Here is my conversation with Kobe Campbell. Kobe Campbell. Also, okay. I love your name. Kobe. Kobe? Yes. Technically, Kobe. It's okay. It's okay. Literally, there's there's no. I always tell people there's literally no way for you to know it unless you understand the cultural expressions of specific tribes in Ghana. So there's literally no way for you to know. Kobe. So you're so you're called Kobe all the time. All the time. Okay. Well, maybe I'm just going to keep this in the interview. I I mean, people in this, who are listening <laughs> know I'm wrong about a lot of things. Kobe. Well, that's yeah. even more. That's even more beautiful. Okay, so tell me about it then, because I, I mean, we weren't going to spend that much time on your name, but now we are. Um, walk me through Kobe. Where does that come from? Yeah, so Kobe is a uh, name that is indigenous to Ghana, West Africa, and uh, it means princess. And so it's technically my middle name. That's my fun fact. Okay. It's my middle name because my first name is Yah, Y-A-A, which means born on Thursday. And I have a twin sister. So she was also born on Thursday and my parents had the uh, beautiful idea of naming me and my twin sister the exact same first name. As you can tell, that got a little confusing. Uh, my name, middle name is Kobe and her middle name is Odua and K and O are right beside each other on the keyboards, like diagonal from each other. So um, when we were born, we were given the same social security number because they thought it was a typo and that someone had submitted the same baby twice. Uh, Same first name, same last name, same date of birth, same place of birth, same doctor who delivered. Uh, So that's like my little fun fact is uh, I have the same first name as my twin sister. Well, that's awesome. Uh, I also (laughs) was born on a Thursday. so No way. So you're Yow. Y-A-W. Yow. Oh, that is the male version of Yah. I knew I was going to learn so much on this podcast. I did not know I was going to learn that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, I'm really glad that you're here. 
Uh, I have been a fan of your work for the last couple of months, uh, mostly on Instagram, just like watching your videos. And I told you before the, we started recording, I was like, I feel like I have to pay you for watching them. But before we jump into all of that, um, when someone asks what you do, what do you tell them? Because you do a lot of things. I do do a lot of things. Um, so I am a licensed trauma therapist. I think in the last couple of months, I really found language for what I feel like I'm called to do. Someone mm. asked me, like, what do you think your life's calling is to do? And of course, I'm sure that's going to evolve and change as I grow. Um, but I said to them, you know, for a long time, I thought it was just helping people heal from trauma. And mm. the more I've been on this journey and build a community of people, the more I'm like, I actually think that my calling is to help people live lives that they love and my tool for helping them do that is helping them deal with and process their trauma. Um, Cause I think a lot of us feel like the idea of living a life that we truly love and truly feel at home in and truly enjoy is impossible because of the things that we've experienced. Um, and my job is to bust that myth and to help them see that there is always an opportunity to live a life that you love. So you're a therapist, but that's not all. Because you're also, <laughs> they're also an author, right? An author, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, author, uh, mom. Um, uh, what else am I? A podcaster. I have a podcast, the Healing Circle podcast. Um, a dancer in a former life. A spoken word <laughs> artist in a former life. A songwriter yeah. in a former life. So it may um, it may be in the in the in the future, right? Oh, yeah, like going back definitely. to it. Yeah, people. I mean, there. It's so fun to to meet people, especially kind of through the internet, because nobody seems to just do one thing. And maybe we're all doing it wrong. Maybe we should all just do one thing. But like for myself, like, you know, it's like author, poet, speaker, podcaster, this, 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 and this. And you, but yeah. it's hard just to do one thing, especially when. Like you, you know, use the word called and the church loves the word called and we can get, we yes. can go really into it, but more so yeah. of like, I feel this is what I was created to do, but we were never really yes. created just to do like one thing. Right. Yes. And so it's, it's to lean into it and be like, for me, at least it was like, I want to be a writer. And as I started writing, I was like, oh, I want to speak these words out loud. Oh, I want to be a speaker. Oh, yes. I want to have conversations with people about the words that I'm writing and the things that I'm learning. Oh, I should be a podcaster too. And so, and then, yeah. and then all, everything sneaks in. It's like, uh, what is it? Imposter syndrome. Like, you're not this, you're not that, you're not that. Yeah. It's like, no, mm -hmm. but I'm learning, I'm learning how to be. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, I feel that so much. I think that um, it's almost, I feel like this is my personal opinion. It's almost mm -hmm. impossible to fully give yourself to one thing and it not birth another thing. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I feel like the more I'm like into writing, the more I'm into speaking, the more I'm into mm -hmm. speaking, the more I'm into community building, the more I'm into community building, the more I'm like, oh, I love doing therapy. So yeah. it just like feeds into each other. And I think that's just like, I really think that's how we're designed. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting. Cause I think like, you know, 30 years ago, it was like, well, what's, what job, what do you want to be when you're older? And it was like, give me one word answer. Give me like a one word answer. And now it's like, what do you want to do with your life? You know, Mary Oliver asked the question, you know, what do you want to do with your one wild and precious life? And yeah. it's like, well, let me just start listing off things because I want to do a whole bunch. And I yeah. think that's like a, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Um, but it else is also about like, how do you enter into those things? Uh, I'm not somebody who's like, let me tell you how to do it. I'm more yeah. so of like, 
I'm sorry for how I do it. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Let's talk about your book. Uh, your yes. book, uh, it comes out April 4th. It's titled, yeah. why am I like this? How to break cycles, heal from trauma and restore your faith. I love yes. the title. I love the title. Cause it's a question that I've asked myself time and time again, mostly while looking in the mirror or after <laughs> I do something that I shouldn't do. Why am I like yeah. this? Uh, so what's the story behind the title? Yeah, that's it. That's the story. I think that it is um, a phrase I have said many a times in my heart and a phrase I've heard many a times out loud in my sessions. And um, I've said it through laughs. I've said it through tears. I've said it through anger. It's, it's, it's a phrase that somehow exists fully in the full spectrum of emotions. Mm -hmm. um, and I think underneath it really is a desire to understand you know, we can chuckle through it, we can cry through it, but like there is like this inherent desire to understand like, what am I going through? Why is it so hard to break these patterns? Why do I respond in this way before I even realize I'm responding this way? So that was it. I was like, what is what is a title that I know when people uh, read it, it will draw in the exact people who need to read this book. And that was it. Yeah. Oh, I think you nailed it. And, it, you know, you said it was, it's a, it's a lot of things, but I also think it's a, it's a beautiful prayer. It's a yeah. hard prayer, uh, but to ask, why am I like this? And yeah. then to wait for God to show you. Yeah. Because it, it's a hard, it's a hard question, but it begins to make sense. I think yep. as you continue to ask and pray it. And there's, when I, back in college, our, um, our one of our professors when we were reading through scripture and he had this whole thing of like how do you think it was said uh and the 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 example he would use was pat likes you and he's like well how do you think that it was it's it's being said because like when you read scripture and jesus says this or jesus says this he says you can say pat likes you in a lot of ways just by reading it is it is it pat likes yeah. you or pat likes you yeah. you know all these different variations and so when with this title with this prayer you know why am i like this why am I like this? Or like a way to celebrate yourself too. Of like, why am I like this? <laughs> like, yes. oh boy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I just, I think that's neat. And uh, I think as, as I, with the, all the books that I've written, every title I've wanted it to be, um, I wanted it to kind of give a sneak peek of what's inside, which is what a, a title should do. But also I wanted people to, when they saw it on someone's coffee table, it also be a reminder for them without having to read the book. You know, like uh, my book, Walk a Little Slower. Like, I think I need that reminder. And I'm, I'm assuming there's a few other people who need it as well. And so I think sure. when people see this this book sitting on a coffee table, they'll be like, oh, like you said, you've asked that question. Maybe it's time to look inside and see what it's all about. Um, yep. Let's have some fun. Let's talk about trauma. Um, yes. So <laughs> Fun trauma. Words you, that always go together. Yeah. Uh, you posted this on Instagram uh, a couple of days ago, I believe. It said, you said, uh, trauma is when our past lives in our present. You don't have to be mm -hmm. physically harmed to be traumatized. The voices of our past that haunt us daily are just as traumatizing as being physically harmed. Your pain is no less valid or worthy of healing. Trauma is, is a, I don't want to say it's a buzzword. But we're talking about it a lot. Um, the last couple of um, sermons our pastor gave, he talks about, he talked about trauma, he talked about trauma. And it's like, it's now it's not something that we we hide from or don't mention. Um, yeah. So what, what do you think that we get wrong about trauma? Oh, 
That is such a great question. I think what we get wrong about trauma is thinking that because we're talking about it, that we're dealing with it. Mm-hmm. I think that is like the number one um, kind of a gap I see is like everyone wants to talk about trauma, um, which is good and beautiful. And it's a good step. But so few people are actually dealing with it. Um, and that's not an indictment on anyone, because I think that trauma is is adopting humility. Um, I like to say that vulnerability is something that no one can master. As soon as you master it, the target moves because it's contextual. What was vulnerable for you in one season is not going to be vulnerable for you in the next season. And truly processing and dealing with your trauma is always vulnerable. And I think that there's a lot of us trying to hold on to a sense of power and a sense of I'm on top of it while dealing with our trauma, which is, I think, some of the greatest evidence that we're not dealing with it. Um, And I also think that what we might be getting, not even wrong, I think the perspective shift is thinking that some people's trauma is worthy and other people's isn't, mm-hmm. right? And the complexity of trauma is I can deeply, I can be deeply traumatized and be the person traumatizing. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. And I think a lot of us sometimes, we only want to adopt the position of being someone who is who has been traumatized because it feels safer to know that on the external plane that we'll get this positive regard from people. But even as a therapist, I, like I've talked about this in my book, I was someone who was traumatized and I was someone who traumatized, right? Mm-hmm. That was, that's a part of the human experience is yeah. that, you know, uh, we, we require forgiveness, but then also we need, we need it. Like we have to ask for it and we have to give it um, because there's no way that we can be traumatized and then not act out that trauma in relationship, even if we don't mean to, even if we're not trying to. Um, I think that we have to kind of extract a sense of morality from trauma because we often try to make it seem like if someone has traumatized us or we have traumatized someone, it's because we're trying to, or because Mm -hmm. we intended to, but those two things don't have to exist for us to deeply wound somebody. And I think that's why it requires so much humility that like you can traumatize someone and not realize that you hurt them so deeply um, and vice versa. Mm. You know, I, I've heard a lot of people talk about kind of like trauma and counseling and therapy and all the, all these things, but I haven't really heard anybody say, uh, you can be traumatized, but you can also be the one who's causing, you know, and it's, it's like, yeah, we're all broken people. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not just the victim, right? Like we all have the ability to hurt and just like we all have the ability to be hurt. And so it's Mm -hmm. like working through both of those things and realizing, I need forgiveness and I can also offer forgiveness as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And people are, people don't realize it, but they're hungry for that empathy. Like when I, when we're behind closed doors and, and it's me yep. and I'm legally bound to keep people's secrets, people are hungry for the empathy of, wow, I didn't realize I was the only person who hurt someone else. Mm-hmm. Like, actually I can kind of identify with my parents because I did this to my spouse because I really hurt my, like I was trying my best and I really let my spouse down. I really let my Mm -hmm. friend down. I really let my kid down, man. That gives me so much empathy for my parent. That gives me so much empathy for this person and that person. And I think that um, there is like a radical truth 
uh, radical acceptance is what we call it in the therapeutic world um that precedes like the the uh the wisdom gathering. We want to gather the wisdom from trauma without working out the truth that mm. we are holding. And I think that um, wisdom that is not hard fought is cheap. And anything that's cheap, we discard quickly. That's good. I think in the poetry world, that's where we swear we would snap just a little bit. Yeah. Um, except when I do poetry shows, everyone wants to snap after I do a poem. And I'm like, actually, can you just clap? Like I've got low self-esteem in snapping. Not really <laughs> I need a little louder sound. <laughs> I need, I need some snap. So I'm going to do a little, little clap for that answer. Um, I was uh, lurking your Instagram right before this. And you had just posted a video talking about how trauma affects our bodies. Yeah. And I've never really thought of it like that. Um, can you go off for a second about how like trauma would affect our bodies? Oh my goodness. Absolutely. I'm going to try and condense this as much as possible. It's my favorite thing to talk about actually. So um, when we experience a sense of fear, um, terror, uh, something that surprises us. We have uh, an autonomic nervous system that's split into two parts, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. The sympathetic nervous system is designed to be the alarm system of our body, meaning it's supposed to tell us like something's wrong or you should be alert or something's on the way that you need to prepare through fight or flight. Right. Mm -hmm. Then we have the parasympathetic system. That's a system that's probably activated right now. It's also called the rest and digest system. It's what's going on when we're hanging out, watching TV, wearing sweatpants and just having a good day. And these systems are actually meant to work together and complement each other. We're supposed to experience an ebb and flow of the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest and the sympathetic, which is the fight flight. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, what that looks like on an everyday basis is you're walking down a street, your parasympathetics going on, you're walking, you're walking, but then a car runs a stop sign and you see it and you jump back off the road, back onto the curb. That's your fight flight jumping in to let you know you should be alert. When the fight flight is going on, it releases hormones like cortisol and adrenaline, <clears throat> excuse me. And what that does is it helps us leap into action quickly without necessarily cognitively processing. That's really important, mm -hmm. right? So our learning brain is offline when the fight flight is on. Our reacting brain is, is in control. So when we experience trauma, and let me define what trauma is. Trauma translates in Greek to wound. Um, on a neurological level, trauma is a distressing event that our body has not finished processing. And so our body continues to processing out of context, out of context, right? So um, what happens when we experience trauma, when we have these moments our brain has not made sense of, or we cannot understand, or are deeply painful and confusing, instead of the ebb and flow between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, the rest and digest in the fight and flight, your body lives in the fight and flight. That means that we're hyper-reactive. That means our heart rate's elevated. That means that um, our breathing is shallow. That means, so when you think about the sympathetic, it affects us even down to how we absorb nutrients and food, right? So if you're always activated, you could be eating the most clean diet, clean paleo, whatever, your body's not gonna absorb any of those nutrients because your body is not giving the adequate oxygen and blood flow to your digestive system to do what it does because 
whose body is thinking about digestive food when you're running from a lion? Nobody's, right? (laughs) So you're ever activated in a way that allows you to perceive danger when there is none. And it's not just about perceiving danger, it's about experiencing danger. When we are living, and that's called a trigger, when we're living in a triggered and an activated state, we are feeling the heat of a fire in the absence of a flame. It is like feeling like you're on fire, but you look around and there's no flame because the flame was 10 years ago, but your body is still processing the pain of the flame and your body still feels like it's on fire. Why does this matter as people? Why does this matter as believers? Um, It matters because it impedes on our ability to connect and it impedes on our ability to learn. And that's something that's important, I think, for every believer, every person, period, to know is the brain cannot learn while it's afraid. The part of the brain that's activated when we're afraid shuts off the part of the brain that allows us to learn. Right. And so what happens is we're getting all this information. We're hearing, I love you. You're awesome. You're such a great writer. You're such a great speaker. You're good at this. But we're not actually absorbing that information. Why are we not absorbing that information? Because also when we're activated, our brain stops a process called consolidation. Consolidation is the process of taking short term memory to long term memory. Something stays in short-term memory too long, it just dissolves <laughs> and we just don't remember it anymore, right? But when we want to remember things are meaningful, it takes the short-term memory and turns it into long-term memory. Well, that process is cut off when we experience trauma and we are in constant activation. So what does that mean? Someone can tell you God loves you. You're never going to absorb it. You're living in a state of fear. Someone can say, I love you. I want to be with you. I believe in you. I see what God's doing in your life. You're never going to believe it, not because there's something wrong with you, not because you're a bad person, not because you're not praying hard enough, but because your body is biologically predisposed to reject any new information that is not a reaction to your past trauma. So how do we get out of this state? How do we get out of this state of like constant fear that impedes on our ability to connect to other people and learn? Safety. Our body does not learn, absorb new information until we feel safe. Here's the thing that's really hard for people when it comes to safety. Safety, just like trauma, is deeply personal and deeply contextual, meaning it cannot be defined from the outside. We cannot create environments and tell people that they're safe. People have to tell us that the environment they've made, that someone else has made is safe, right? And creating environments of safety defers power. It means that you don't get to define what's safe for me. I have to tell you what makes me feel safe. Here's also the hard part about safety. Safety is often incongruent to our developmental age. Because that's not what our bodies, our body's not processing 35 us. The Mm -hmm. body's not processing 29, 42, 75-year-old us. The body's processing six-year-old The body's processing 10-year-old. The body's processing 15-year-old. And so when people tell you what makes them feel safe around you or in a structure, an organization, it's going to seem childlike Mm -hmm. because that's the part of themselves developmentally that needs the safety to grow into the 32-year-old, the 52-year-old, right? And that means we have to believe people. We have to defer power. And we have to be okay with things not being the way we want them to be. 
Mm. We can't have fast structures and create safe spaces, right? So, sorry, I went into like a whole that was, well, that was a great. whole thing, but like <laughs> I love talking about how trauma affects the body because yeah. this is how God designed the body. God yeah. designed the body to shut down from learning when we're in fear. So, how does that how does that shape how we view scripture? How does that shape how we view discipline, ch- disciplining children? How does that shape how we view connecting to people, right? If we're yeah. utilizing fear as a tactic to teach people, we're literally opposing the biological structures that God created. And he's all about restoration. Yes, right? he is. And so it's this inviting you into a safe space. Yep. Right. I mean, yep. there's probably a lot of ways to define restoration. That isn't the best way, but like making it safe again. For yeah. you to live and grow and thrive and be yeah. and be. Wow. I uh, recently I've been thinking a lot. And one of the things that I tell people when they share their story after I speak or share poetry, they oftentimes people are like, he's but he's vulnerable with me. I can be vulnerable with him. And oftentimes yeah. I don't know necessarily how to respond to people's stories, uh, the things that they've uh, the hurt, the fear, the shame. And all I can say is you've been through it like you've just been through it. You know, uh, yeah. and I I often don't know what else there is to say to someone who's mm. gone through it, except, yeah, you've been, you've been through it. Um, yeah. How does, how does knowing Jesus shape your work as a therapist? Um, I think it, I think I take a lot more emotional risks. Hmm. Uh, and that's not like necessarily the clinical side, but I think that, there's there's an ability to like see people uh, yeah. because my mental and I talk about this in my book. My mental health journey started with my relationship with God. Mm. It, they're inextricable. It was you know such a low and hard moment of my life, and it had this just incredibly miraculous encounter with God. And I was on the spiritual high. I was like, yes, Jesus, this is awesome. And then two weeks later, I was depressed again. And I couldn't deny what I'd experienced. It was so personal. And yet I d- didn't have words to understand why I was experiencing depression, and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talk about this in the book, but like at the opposition of a lot of like the Christian leaders I was around at the time, I went to therapy. Mm-hmm. For them, the answer was pray, go to Bible study, stop missing services, stop, you know, but I went, I went to therapy and um, my therapist happened to be a believer and it was just like an entire world opened up for me. And I think that I have a lot more courage, not because I believe that the therapeutic principles that I utilize are tools for what God already wants to do. I I truly get to see my clients through the lens of a finished work, Mm. you know, which honestly takes the pressure off of me, you know, and for me being a good therapist is uh, me being a good daughter to the Lord. And for me, being a good daughter is letting myself be loved, like being mm-hmm. courageous enough to to let myself be loved and being courageous enough to pour out that same type of love to my clients, regardless of what they believe. And I've just, I really do see my work through the lens of like, God's already doing this. I'm a coming alongside him. God already wants this for them more than I want it, more than they want it. Um, he's going to make it happen, but he's just inviting me into the process because I get to learn something along the way. And and so do they. So um, 
I love what I do. I also primarily serve Christians. And so I love helping them dismantle the scary God who wants to beat them into spiritual obedience and submission because Mm -hmm. uh, he just needs more minions, (laughs) you know, like truly I I get to like, I, I get to help clients deal with their religious anxiety uh, mm-hmm. The depression that is centered around feeling inadequate, the depression that's centered around feeling um, like sin and brokenness defines them um, because unfortunately they've been a part of structures that have told them that. And so I love it. I love just seeing people like I tell my husband all the time, I, it's hard for me to trust Christians that don't laugh. Uh, <laughs> like It really is. I'm like, I, like if God is so good, I just feel like you got to let a chuckle out once or twice, you know? Please, please. And yeah. so um, it's it's beautiful getting to see clients laugh again and yeah. wake up, wake up to talk to God, uh, not out of fear and anxiety, but out of excitement and connection. So I love it. Yeah. It, and laughter it seems like a, a sign of, um, of, of safety. Yes, it is. Silliness, yeah. laughter and silliness are the greatest indicators that we feel safe. Yeah. Sure. Um, I've loved talking to you about this. Uh, I'm going to close with a couple of questions. We have the yes. game called finish the sentence. Okay. And I start the sentence and you finish the sentence. And then we move on to the next one. There's like five of them. Um, are Perfect. you ready? Okay. Mm-hmm. Ready. The perfect breakfast is. Mangoes, fried plantain, and. A steak. (laughs) I'm so serious. That sounds great to me. Are you doing any kind of like like a biscuit in there or something? Like no. All right. Hey, just ask. African. We eat rice. We eat rice and chicken for breakfast. That's literally what my son had for breakfast this morning. Was some rice and chicken stew. That sounds wonderful to me. Oh yeah, it was delicious. (laughs) Uh, Mango is my favorite fruit. I have oh a poem. I have a poem titled 99 Cent Mango. And it's just oh I love. My. I love mango. Donna has the best mangoes ever. If you ever get to go, the first thing you need to eat is a mango. I'm I would say I'm booking my flight right now, but that's a lie. Um I'm not right yeah. now. But I would love to go one day. <laughs> I the best mango I've ever had was in the Bahamas. So probably close. Probably really close. Yeah. It's really good. Okay. Here is what I know about heaven. It is going to be so much fun. Lots of laughter. Yeah. Lots of laughter, lots of fun, lots of jokes, for sure. When I wake up tomorrow, I'll... Hmm. Choose courage. Yeah. I don't know much. But I know for certain that if God said it, he'll do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Last one. I would okay. tell I would tell my eighth grade self that. Oh, man. You are going to be the coolest person, you know in like 10 years that's a great answer yeah that is a really good answer it almost it almost sounds conceited but not at all like because you should probably think that you are the coolest person 
Or at, I, least, I, at least top eight on MySpace, you know? Like, you so, should be up there. Yeah. yeah. Top top four, for sure. But yeah. just thinking about eighth grade me was so concerned with, like, who was cool and who wasn't? And am I cool? Mm-hmm. Am I not? You know? They're like, no, yeah. you're going to be the coolest person you know. You're going to love yourself. And you're going to you're gonna feel like you're the coolest person you know. That's really good. That's really good. It's like you're going to come into your own. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. I, that's how I was in eighth grade is I was concerned with where did I stack up? Was I the coolest? Yeah. Was I not cool at all? And now I know mm-hmm. that I'm that I'm not cool, which in turn makes me cool. So, yes. yes. Right? Like, that's just kind of. Yeah. Oh, this has been so I feel like I've learned a lot. I've laughed a little bit. This has been this has been great. All right. Tell yes, us yes. where and I'm going to have links in the show notes. But where cool. can we connect with you and find your work? Absolutely. You can connect with me on TikTok, on Instagram, and sometimes on Twitter. Twitter scares me a little bit. Um, uh-huh. At Kobe Campbell underscore. It's K-O-B-E-C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L underscore. And then also you can find uh, my podcast, the Healing Circle podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, all the things. You can find my brand new book, Why Am I Like This? How to Break Cycles, Heal from Trauma, and Restore Your Faith. Literally everywhere you can get books. Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, all the places. But if you want to find me on the interwebs, at Kobe Campbell underscore. Awesome. I am. I'm so glad that we get to have this conversation and we're real life friends now. So this is wonderful. Yes. Um, once again, I'm so sorry for pronouncing your name wrong. No, Anyways. you're okay. You're okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the walk a little slower podcast. Huge thanks to Kobe for being on this episode. Again, check out the show notes that you can find a link to her brand new book. Why am I like this? Special thanks to my friend Matt Daring for creating the music for this podcast. Go ahead and visit writtentospeak.com to check out the latest blog, grab a couple of books, or to book me for an upcoming event. Or if you just want to send me a message, you can do so from writtentospeak.com as well. And if you would like to support my work and this ministry, visit patreon.com slash writtentospeak to become a patron. Your monthly donations will allow me to spread hope and announce love through written and spoken word like this podcast. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Walk a Little Slower podcast. I'll be back next Monday with a brand new episode. Much love.